First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, Navigating Life's Difficulties. Today's topic is about Christian Workers Conference. Today, you get the privilege to attend a pastor or Christian leaders conference. And what's good about this one that you get to go to is that there are no fees, there's no planes to catch, and there's no cars to rent. It's totally free. And you get to see and understand what Christian workers, pastors, leadership need to do biblically within the body of Christ. And it's important that you know these things. For well, the Bible says that you, the congregation, are to submit to spiritual leaders. Now, wouldn't you want to know if those who are to submit to, are they doing what God requires them to do? Of course we would. In verse 1, it tells us that the elders who are among you I exhort. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Elders are men who are required to provide spiritual leadership within the church. They are to focus on the spiritual needs in your life. That's their focus, whether it's in prayer or whether that's in the teaching of God's Word. They're making sure that people have opportunities to grow in their relationship with God. Deacons of the church, well, their focus is on the physical things of the church. You need to empty an overflow trash can or pick up debris around the church or smudge prints on the glass or passing out Bibles or maybe greet with encouragement or directing families to the children's ministry. They primarily meet physical needs within the church, but elders primarily meet spiritual needs. Yes, deacons can cross over when there's a need for spiritual things, and elders will cross over when there's a need for physical things. And also understand that pastors are elders, because Peter himself says as an apostle, he also has called himself an elder. So elders are these solid men that display true Christian character. The 1 Timothy chapter 3 talks about their qualifications along with Titus. Chapter 1 talks about those things too. But understand, to be an elder is a calling upon a person's life. And that word calling is very important. Because it's not something I think I would like to do or give it the old college try. It's not self-projected. It's not a psychological need of a person wanting to feel important within the church. It's a calling. And it's actually recognized by other godly men, leaders, within the body of Christ. A person doesn't go around and toot their horn and pronounce everyone that they're called to be an elder. No, they just wait until man ratifies that calling. The apostles were the ones who appointed elders in the churches. They went about when they started those things. They would wait and see who were those who were spiritually maturing in a year or so or the next time they came back when they'd visit that new plant church. And they'd see who's rising to the place of being a spiritual leader, an elder. And then through prayer and fasting, they would become very clear the ones to whom seem to have the call upon their life. Remember Paul and Barnabas, they were sent out by the church of Antioch, by its leaders. It wasn't self-projection for them at all. They did not go and just do something on their own. They waited there in Acts chapter 13 for the church to recognize the leaders, the prophets, to send them out with their blessing. And also, they became accountable back to Antioch, the church there, you know, after they were finished with their missionary journey. In verse 2, it goes on to say this, that shepherd the flock of God. That's what they tell the elders to do. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. So he's talking about shepherding the flock, which means to teach them, feed them the word of God. It also includes leading them and guiding them and also protecting them. To shepherd the flock of God means that an elder likes to be around sheep, the people in the church. An elder doesn't just come just twice a month on Sundays and never comes to any other activities. 
No, they have a genuine built-in like to be around people who have achieved. They seem to be at church activities, and one of the things in recognizing God's hand or call upon an elder is that they are already personally with people. They have a personal or a spiritual presence and genuine love of being around the people. They are not at everything that the church opens their doors to, of course not, but they just personally, with no constraints, love to be around the sheep and show up for certain events. But it's important to notice that it's not just shepherding the flock, it's talking about shepherding the flock of God. And that's a good reminder that this is not my church, this is God's church. I have a role to play in his church. These are not my people, these are God's people, and that's a good reminder. People do not belong to the leaders. When Paul was addressing the elders in Ephesus, he said that. He reminded Paul again that this is, you're, you're shepherding over the flock of God. So a great reminder. The people of the church belong to God. They do not belong to the leaders. And it also says in verse 2, to serve as overseers, not by compulsion, which means some kind of pressure on them. But you're willingly wanting to do this, not because we have to do it, because you want to do it. In other words, the elder is not someone who needs to be motivated or has to be pumped up by others so he can keep going as an elder. No, they are self-motivated to be an elder and the work that's required of an elder for the very simple reason, because of their own personal relationship with the Lord and because of the call upon their life. That is the biggest motivator. And it doesn't matter if people encourage not, we, we want their encouragement, we accept their encouragement, you know, we're very appreciative of their encouragement, but that doesn't keep us going. Just like their discouragement doesn't make us quit either. No, we're motivated by the call that is upon our life. And also it says, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly for an elder. In other words, no one should go into the ministry just for money. We should obey God's call upon our lives, whatever that might be, to first have a love for God, of course, a love for God's people. It should never be a motivation for our love for money. Now, that doesn't mean that a pastor or elder shouldn't be paid or supported by the local church, which the, if the local church is able to do so. But the bottom line, he doesn't do it for the money. If there's, you know, if the call is there and an opportunity arises for this leader, they want to hear from God if it is his will, not to hear from the call of money. If it's from God, it's all going to work out. If not from God, no amount of money will ever make it work out. I think of the model of the Calvary Chapel and sending out guys to plant churches. It kind of weeds out the motive of going into it for the money. Uh, I think it. I think it's good because most Calvary guys are starting as a man who goes out to another city and and you know fulfills the call. He has no job. He has no salary. He doesn't even have health insurance many times. And uh, he's going to take on a second job, and his wife may even take on a second job, and they got a family, and they, now they're doing full-time jobs and full-time ministry. It's a stretch to do both of those things. But the nice thing is, it's a struggle sometimes, too. But the nice thing about that is, if you are into it for the money, you're not going to last very long. And that's kind of a harsh model, according to some people. I, I totally understand that, for some person to go out there and to have no salary, no job, doesn't know anybody, maybe they don't have any health insurance, they can't even get their kids into a private school or a Christian school if they can't afford it. I don't say that model is for everybody, and it's not. I get that, but I understand what they're saying on some level. But the harsh model is harsh only when God's not directing it. That's what it's really harsh. But if he's in it, 
it can be very rewarding. So a, a harsh model is not a bad thing. One thing it does is weed out the person who might think this is a great way to make a living or a comfortable way of life. And on the flip side of that, you've probably seen people that have that dishonest game when they're trying to squeeze people for more money. Is it, is it, are they really doing that for the church? Is it doing it for the minister? Is it doing it to pad their own pockets? I mean, we're sometimes very suspicious when we see people on TV, and even if you come out of church like that, where there's always this squeeze tactic that's taking place. Well, just understand, that's rebuked here. That's, that's dishonest game. You know, and Paul would say people are to give as they purpose in their own hearts, not grudgingly or out of necessity. So that eliminates, you know, the harangment that can be put upon people in the church by the leadership to get them to, as they say, dig deeper. And so uh, they're getting outside of some biblical principles and they're getting into extra biblical things that can actually, in most cases, at least to dishonest gain. In verse 3, it goes on to say, Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will not fade away. Being lords over those entrusted to you is a warning for a leader who is overcome with power. You're not to be that way. Leadership can be very attractive to a person who likes to be in charge. There are those who have this psychological need to exercise authority over others. Sometimes when we give a person a title, like even pastor, elder, uh, it, at times it can go to their head. They are now this potentate. They can't be, do anything wrong. And how they believe God is directing them over others for the simple reason, because I'm a pastor, I'm an elder now. It's my calling. And in my own personal experience, I've seen people, I've had people who serve in the church and were the best and the greatest servants of all time. And you can see God's hand upon them. And they love to be around the sheep. And they, you know, they want to do more. And, and you want to put them into a position of, of authority and maybe even a title. And I have seen it sometimes become the worst thing that ever happened to a person. They're, they're not the same kind of servant anymore. Sometimes uh, being a servant is actually below them in many cases. Years ago, there's this thing called in South Florida called the shepherding movement. And it, a person couldn't buy a car without the permission of their elder or their pastor. They couldn't even date unless the pastor or the elder proved that. There was this control factor over the people because I'm a shepherd and I know more of what is right spiritually than you do as a sheep. But Jesus said in Revelation 2.15 to the church of Pergamos, he says, you have those who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Nicolaitans means actually this. Nico means to lord. The laitans is the laity. It means to lord over the laity. Jesus says, I hate that. And really a leader's job is to direct a person in the congregation really into the arms of Jesus, not their arms. You know, you have to lead them to hear from Christ and not from me as a leader. We don't control people. We lead people into the right arms and that's the arms of Christ. Once again, it's the flock of God, not the flock of the leaders. And so you always want to lead them right back to Christ. Um, and Jesus Christ even talked about this amongst his disciples, about the Gentiles lording and over others. And he says, that's not what we are all about. And so, and we should also be examples to the flock, he says. We just don't just teach it, teach and talk about God and such. We're also to walk the talk. Uh, not all teaching is from the pulpit, but is taught by an example. In verse 5, it goes on to say, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares about you. And so as Peter has talked about what a great or a good leader is to be, he now shifts from the shepherds now to the sheep. In like manner, what good, shep what good sheep are to be to good leaders here. And if they are not good leaders in our discussion, in the first previous four verses that we just talked about, then they don't have to submit to unbiblical leadership. Just like a wife doesn't have to submit to a husband you know, who wants her to lie, cheat, and steal. God says you don't have to submit to that. In the same way, you can apply it to that. You, know, you don't have to, as a sheep, have to su submit to unbiblical leadership in that respect. You know, from my experience, I think that most people in the church are very, very good to leadership. I think they've always been very good to leadership. Uh, and I, I, and I, I've never seen really uh, anything bad about that. But I do know this. There's one thing I think the congregation of the church should demand, is that the leadership should have vision and desire to see people grow and the church to be progressive and doing it all it can to progress the church further on. I think most people in the church demand that mostly from leadership and rightfully so. They should. That's what, how leaders should be leading the church to remain to grow, to remain progressing. Just like for us, you know, we want to take out those dilapidated portables and we want to put in a new wing for the children's ministry that we can keep for this generation, for the next generation, for those that are outside of the church that we can start a preschool and on to a school and just continue to progress and move on and bringing people even to Christ and into a deeper relationship with Christ in the same way.